as we talk about Christmas struggles. And this morning we're going to talk about joy versus disappointment. And even in this story, uh, there's both. There's both joy and disappointment in the very same story we're looking at this morning. And that's when Mary found out that she was with child. I think if we're honest, there are many times at Christmas, and it seems like especially the Christmas season or the Thanksgiving season, that it doesn't turn out the way we anticipated or the way we expected. You expected and you wanted peace and joy, but oftentimes we get this conflict and disappointment in our life. And it just happens for some reason. There are all kinds of things that you can do to turn your holiday stress from a time of peace and joy to disappointment and struggles. And sometimes it's what we do, and sometimes it's what happens to us. There's a list of the five Christmas struggles, according to church leaders, that people face in the world today. Number one is bad memories. You know, something bad happened in the past, and we remember those as the season comes along. And it's easy to do, um, especially if it's a lost loved one in a holiday season and when that comes back around, or it could just be a fresh passing of somebody or a bad memory. Another one is overcommitment. We've just completely overcommitted ourselves, and then we find ourselves frazzled and stressed, and we're not enjoying the, the season in which we're in. Another one is financial pressure, because we are pressured so much that we think we've got to buy so many things, and then we find ourselves stressed for that. As I said earlier about bad memories, and it's that empty chair. That's number four that you're used to seeing somebody sitting around a table or sitting in a certain chair at the house you're celebrating in, and all of a sudden now that chair is empty. Or maybe it's even unrealistic expectation. You know, it's one thing to expect to have family and friends to come by. It's another thing to see them come by when you're in Hawaii celebrating the holiday season, which I'm good about. If we want to do that, I'm happy to do that. Um, But that's probably not going to happen. But in our story this morning about Mary and Joseph, uh, we're going to find out, and we've read it earlier, their world is turned upside down, the world in which they are living now. But we can see how God brought joy in spite of misunderstanding in all of this, so that we can have joy even regardless of our circumstances in life. Yes, there's things going on, and yeah, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but still... We can have joy because I truly believe a lot of times joy is a choice we make when we get up in the morning. Trust me, there's times in the morning where my alarm goes off or I wake up and it's not even light outside. There's not a lot of joy in this person's heart right then. But then as I go about my day and I do the things that I do, then I find out it's not all as bad as I thought You know, yeah, I could get aggravated at a Santa Claus driving down the road at 60 miles an hour or have fun with a little old lady walking out of our knees or get aggravated about other things. But even Friday as we were going to my uh, mom's and see my brother, a little town called Michigan Town, Indiana. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. That's where Sam Williams is now. A couple months ago, one of his deacons left church. Remember how I've always told the story, we don't know what's going to happen even leaving church. He had a deacon quarter of a mile away from the church, get hit head on and die just a few weeks ago. Yesterday in that same, or fighting that same little town, Caitlin and I drove through it, nothing. An hour after we drove through it, according to the news, a house caught on fire, killed a person, took another one to the hospital. Then you're sitting thinking, okay, the Santa Claus is driving down the road, not that big of a deal, you know, because there's always bigger things. 
You see in our story in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel is in a second mission surrounding the birth of Jesus. It was six months after he announced this to Zechariah and Elizabeth that they would have a son. And Elizabeth have a son, John the Baptist. This announcement is important as to who it was announced to. Because in verse 26 it says this, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Something you've got to know about Nazareth is Nazareth is this little obscure village, a know-nothing town. It's even considered inferior by the rest of Israel. Why? Because they're a conquered people. They're especially despised by the Romans. And then Galilee is bordered between Gentile and heathen nations. And there's a deep prejudice about these people by both the Romans and the Jews. So these people couldn't win. They couldn't win no matter which way they turned. Then there's two thoughts about this, and it should tell us this, that God is not a respecter of persons or places. He announces to somebody in this little obscure town as much as he does Jerusalem. Notice God sends this message to Nazareth as eagerly as he does Jerusalem. He's as important as anybody else, and he reveals this message to believer Mary who lives there in Nazareth, as he does to Zechariah, who lives in Jerusalem. So understand, it's, he's not a respecter of personal places. The message is just as important. You see, Nazareth was where Jesus spent his boyhood years. It's where he kind of grew up. And after he moved to Capernaum when he was about 30, Jesus went back twice to this place, Capernaum, and he'd teach in the synagogues. And both times Jesus went back, remember what happened? He was rejected. Both times. One time, they tried to throw him off a cliff. Think about that. Think about that. They rejected Jesus twice, and one of those times, they tried to throw him off a cliff. It tells us a place. It tells us a city or a nation that it is not judged by its institutions or its advantages. And I want you to understand this. God does not judge us Christians. God does not judge churches by size or place. I want you to understand, God says West Liberty Church of Christ is just as important as any other church in the world today because of what we're trying to do. Okay? We may not be the biggest. We may not be the best. But you know what? We're God-believing, God-fearing Christians. And that's what matters. We're committed to Him. Jesus tells us, that he doesn't judge those things by that, but he judges it by righteous people within its borders. That's what's important to God. That's why he announces it to one place as well as he does the other. So what I want you to see very first in your outline is this. I want you to see Mary's joyful experience in this story. This is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. You can read that on your own. You've heard that story before. But after the angel's announcement in this story, Understand, Mary is bursting with joy. She is bursting with excitement, and we can understand why. But even in this joy, even in this excitement, there's a problem. She needed someone to share this joy with. She wanted somebody to share this news with. Mary remembered, though, in our story, that the angel saying that her cousin Elizabeth was to be with child, a miraculous child even, even in her advanced age. 
Mary remembers this. And Mary needed to share the news with somebody. And Mary needed that confirmation. She needed that encouragement from somebody. And they needed each other with this. So in verse 39, it says, Mary hurried to see her. It means that she went with a purpose. She went with an earnestness. And realize, Mary knew Elizabeth was pregnant. But Elizabeth did not know Mary was pregnant yet. Okay, that's important. When Mary walks into her cousin's house, just walks into her cousin's house, three unusual things happened immediately. The baby leaped within Elizabeth's womb. I'm sure she'd felt the baby move before. And I'm sure it's all that same. But this one was different. This jumping of John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb was telling her that Mary carried someone very special because it was a different feeling. Understand, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, which gave her a spirit of understanding that led her to greet Mary in a certain way as the mother of the Messiah, to greet Mary as carrying the one of the coming Lord. Listen to what she says in verses 42 and 43. She says, "'Blessed are you among women.'" And blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's a good question. She asks, why am I so favored that you, Mary, would come to me carrying my Lord? The reason is because Elizabeth is leading an obedient life before God. She's obeying God. She's listening to the Holy Spirit. So that allowed God to use her. You see, when we're obedient to God's word, when we're obedient to God's calling, that means God can use us and how he wants. And the Holy Spirit was to come upon her with his presence. And it's something we need to understand. Elizabeth speaks in verses 42 and 43 in a loud voice. She is so full of joy. She is so full of excitement and emotions. Remember, she, Elizabeth, has just been filled with the Holy Spirit. So she has all this going on. After all, she is proclaiming that the baby that Mary is carrying is the Lord. Okay, this is huge. Listen to what she says. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. God has told her something, and now she's realizing that very thing that God told her is going to be done, is going to be accomplished. And Mary, Mary burst out with this burst of prayer of praise that she had been saving up literally for days. I mean, imagine knowing what you know, that this angel has come to you and said, you're going to be with child, and you're going to carry this child, and you're going to name him Jesus, and all those things, but she can't tell anybody. Why? Because she's not married. But she knows Elizabeth will understand. So for days, she's holding this news in, and she finally gets to say this, and she says, I am the Lord's servant. She answers Elizabeth. May be to me as you have said, and the angel left her. I mean, you can see Mary's joyful experience, can't you? You can see how joyful she is and excited she is and how all this story is playing out in her life, even though I think in the back of her head she knows there's still a problem. But she still knows who God is, and she's still trusting God. Second thing I want you to see is this. 
Joseph's disappointment. Same story, same situation. Mary is joyful, but Joseph is disappointed. Matthew 1.19, it says this, because Joseph was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, from this announcement from the angel, Joseph was struggling. I mean, from the very get-go that he found out that Mary was with child. In verse 19, we plainly see he's troubled in spirit, which means he's just, man, it's bothering him. He's probably pacing. He's probably rubbing his head, trying to figure out what's going on. And it was because Joseph loved Mary so much. I mean, they were betrothed. They were engaged. He loved her so much that he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And he understood that. You see, Joseph in this story, because he loved Mary so much, is kind of caught in catch-22 between the law and his love. See, the law would be to, to expose Mary to the authorities, to tell them. But Joseph felt deceived. That's part of his disappointment. He also has felt disappointment and deceiving. He thought Mary was a moral, righteous person. And I know in the back of his mind, because of this, he is saying, I thought you were this way, but now you're trying to tell me and you're trying to tell other people that it was a, the Holy Spirit that got you pregnant. And Joseph is struggling with this idea. He really is. That's part of the disappointment that he has. So Joseph felt deceived and disappointed to claim that an angel visited her. But Joseph does deserve some credit in this, even though he's disappointed, because it says that he was willing to divorce her quietly. That's huge. And not expose her to public shame. Why is that so important to our story? Bob Russell says this, often doing the right thing requires restraining your impulse to do the wrong thing. And that's so true. See, Mary was also disappointed with Joseph. She had experienced this most thrilling thing in her life. But the one she cared for the most did not believe her, let alone share her joy. So there's disappointment on both sides. And maybe there are people in our lives right now that are in this same thing who have caused us this disillusioned idea or this disillusioned spirit even in this holiday season. That even though this should be the most joyous time of year, we say it's really kind of not. And again, it's a choice, I believe, in how we react and what we do. Imagine the thoughts that were going through Joseph's mind. I mean, just think about it for just a moment. He was torn, like I said, between obeying the law and exposing Mary to the authorities and his love for Mary. And understand why this is. He struggled because he was confused. He struggled because he was troubled and disappointed, and his imagination ran wild. He did not want Mary to be hurt because if he took it to the law, if he exposed her, you know what would happen to Mary in Jesus' day? You remember? She'd have been stoned. She'd been taken outside the city. She'd have been stoned to death. But Joseph loved her so much, he couldn't let that happen. Even with all the talk, even with all the gossip they had going around, Joseph still knew and understood what he needed to do. You see, there's not room for gossip. There's not room for critical judgment among God's people. 
Because we know what is right. We know what we're supposed to do. But so many times, even in this Christmas season, it still happens, doesn't it? It shouldn't, but it does. Mary's sin, according to Joseph, it was huge. Still in Joseph's mind, this is a sin. Yet he cared for her so deeply, and his love for her helped him in his treatment. Because love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4.8 says. You see, a person who loves somebody that much will not talk, will not gossip, will not criticize. And I think they'll follow Joseph's example and what's going on in life. You see, the virgin birth is a very important part of the story of the birth of our Savior. The fact that Joseph even thought what Mary had done was bad enough just to think it. Because again, like I said, they were betrothed to one another, which means they were engaged Essentially, in Jesus' day, they were essentially married. And the only way to nullify this marriage now, even though they weren't officially married, was through an official divorce. Why is it so important to our story, though? Because the birth of God's Son requires a miracle. It requires something awesome. Because if it would have just been any other birth by any other person, it would have been just another person born on this world, in this world So there had to be a miracle happen. So God chose another way. As Hebrews 10, 5 says, all Jesus needed was a body. That's all he needed. Listen to what Hebrews 10, 5 says. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. That's what Jesus just needed a body. So let me ask you this question. Why is it so hard to believe that God can cause Mary to miraculously conceive? Why is it so hard for people to grab onto? I mean, look at what God has done. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the world in which we live. Why is it so hard for people to grab onto this idea? Why is it so hard to believe that God exists and that for God so loved the world that he gave his son? That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life why is it so hard for people to grab onto why is it so hard for people to understand that god truly loves us he truly loves the world in which we live i mean i truly believe in what the scripture tries to tell us that he doesn't want anybody to perish those are our enemies he doesn't want to perish even though we like to slap them upside the head He doesn't want those people that live down the street that we don't like. He doesn't want them to perish. He doesn't want those people to perish that doesn't like us. He wants everybody to have eternal life. Also understand this. An angel appeared to Joseph and brought about understanding and joy. Even though there's disappointment, even though there's disillusionment, even though Joseph is struggling, an angel appears to Joseph to bring about understanding and joy. This is in Matthew 20, chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. And this announcement made a special revelation necessary. Don't miss verse 20, where it says, but after he considered this, after he considered what the angel told him, you see, it just didn't happen, boom. Joseph had to think about this for a little while. He had to consider it. 
Joseph did exactly what he needed to do when he considered this. He got alone with God to think, to pray, and to think through this situation. That's what we need to do a lot of times. I know that's what I need to do a lot of times when I start getting a bad attitude. When I start thinking negative things, I just need to get away a lot of times. I just need to go do something different. I need to disconnect from what's going on. And I know people don't understand that about how can a minister need to disconnect from what he's doing at the church. Yeah, I do. Okay? I really do. I either need to get on my bicycle and ride 20 miles till I can't pedal another foot. Or I need to go do something else where I'm just completely not thinking about these things. Not that it's all bad. But you know what? I need that. And Joseph did too, because Joseph was reliable, and because he was obedient to God, God met his need. See, when the angel came to Joseph in a dream, it gave Joseph assurance. It made Joseph truly believe. When the angel called Joseph son of David, okay, that got Joseph's attention. Joseph was awakened to the fact that he had this glorious call from God, that he was chosen by God to be the earthly father of the Son of God. How awesome is that when he realized that? You see, all Jews knew the prophecies that said the Messiah would come from the line of David. And when the angel said what he said, it woke him up. It alerted him to an important message that he had to have that he received this divine call. So there's something to talk about, something to think about this morning for us, that God met Joseph when he took time to get alone and to think, when Joseph finally took time to get in the right frame of mind. Yeah, Joseph understood, and I think he's being very gentle with Mary when he wanted to divorce her quietly and all the things that he wanted to do. He didn't want to take her to the officials. He didn't want to see her put to death. But even at that, He had to get alone with God to be in the right frame of mind. You see, we as believers need to get alone with God to think through our trials and to confront them and how will they be met by God in our life. God will give assurance like he did Joseph and guide the believer. Listen to what Matthew 6, 33 says. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, God just didn't give it to Joseph. He just didn't give it to Mary. He just didn't give it to certain people. He gives it to us also today. So three quick lessons to make our Christmas more joyful this year, despite disappointments, despite those things in our life. Number one, put the needs of others above ourselves or above yourself. And I know that's hard to do. Why? Because I want certain things. I want this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy. Make me healthy. All those things. So it's kind of hard for me to put your needs above that because I'm number one. But we need to. Number two, be determined to truly experience God this Christmas season. Truly experience it. I don't care if that means getting out and driving and looking at all the pretty lights, going to your Christmas parties, doing all those things. But Father, true, oh, but people truly remember what this Christmas season is about. Yeah, enjoy the lights, but thank God for them. Enjoy all the manger scenes, but remember, it's about that baby. 
Remember all those things. But we have to make sure that we want to experience God first and foremost. And number three, obey God in our daily walk no matter where he leads. I mean, look at Joseph. There was probably several days there where he's warning, okay, God, I'm not getting this. I don't understand this. Why are you taking me down this road? Why do I have to experience this? If I'm your chosen person to do this, and if Mary's this chosen person, why do we have to do what we're doing? But when Joseph finally understood God's purpose, God's plan, what happened? He did exactly what God asked him to. I love what the scriptures tell us. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added 